0: Hello, and welcome to the Essendon People Podcast, an unofficial Essendon Football Club supporter podcast.
1: Hosted by Brendan and Mark, Essendon People is a podcast for those who live and breathe Aussie Rules and the Mighty Bombers.
0: From the casual fan to the hardcore supporter, if you have the red and black in your heart, then Essendon People is the podcast for you.
1: Thank you for joining us. Let's, Let's start, start the, the pod. pod. Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Essendon Painful podcast, our intra-club practice game review. So Brendan, it's been a little bit since we recorded the Christmas wishlist episode, which we both really enjoyed. Um, we've had a bit of a break in between and now we're ready to launch into
0: uh, some footy again. How have you been? Oh, yeah, I've been good. Thank you, Mark. Uh, just, you know, I think like everyone, enjoying the, uh, enjoying the warm weather, uh, a bit of time off. Uh, cricket was good. Always good to beat England. Yeah. Um, yeah, but really excited to start talking some bombers now, especially with round one about a month away. What about you, Mark? How was your break?
1: Same thing. Yeah, really enjoyed watching the cricket and um, then the VFLW started up last week and that's got us back into footy mode and a bit of intra-club, which we're going to talk about today. And then, uh, yeah, we're not far away from a few more formal practice games And before you know it. In less than 30 days, we're we're playing round one, so... With that being said, we'll jump into it. This club game was played on
0: Wednesday morning at the hangar, wasn't it? Yes, yes. I think it was um, I think about 9.30, 10 start and then it finished at about, about midday there. Um, two sides there. I think uh, it was a red team and a black team. I think the uh, the black team was coached by Blake Carousella and the red team was coached by Daniel Gian Siracusa. Uh, both pretty even teams from what, we were able to see, Mark, it wasn't like a uh, uh, firsts first reserves or they tried to stack one team. Rather, it was kind of a good balance with lots of um, kind of looking for matchups. ups so that it was a pretty good battle. Uh, do you want to just go through who, who played, Mark?
1: Yeah, we will. Um, and I guess uh, just before we go through all the players there, the uh, probably a question that comes to mind is some of the players weren't available through injuries and stuff like that. So without having you know, 44 or more players available. There are some players in here that are from our VFL list as well. So we'll run them, run through them in a second. But I'll just start with the red team here. So the red team was Andrew McGrath, Jai Caldwell, Zach Merritt, Tom Cutler, Jordan Ridley, Jane Laverde, James Stewart, Dyson Heppel, Nick Bryan, Mason Redmond, Braden Ham, Andrew Phillips, Dylan Clark, who has been delisted obviously last year, but is still vying for a spot at the moment. Alec Waterman, Tom Hurd, Tex Wanganeen, who I think has been widely publicised that he's um, training for a position in the, the supplementary period as well. Ronald Fayo, or Fejo, uh Jr., who, similar to Tex, uh, is vying for that position as, uh, uh, as a supplementary period as well. Sam Conforti, who's from our VFL team. Joe Atley, also from the VFL. And Joel Fitzgerald, also from the VFL. So that rounds out the red team. Um, did you want to take us through the black team?
0: Oh, I can't, Mark, because I don't. <laughs> do you remember, you've got it. I can't, I can't see because I haven't got it open. Remember? Oh, yes, I, uh, I do recall that now. So this is podcasting 101. Uh, anyway. <laughs> did
1: you want to? Um... With that being said, did, I'll did you, you want me. to start again or not? <laughs> but uh, we, we're good. Let's we'll keep going. All uh, right. <laughs> with the black team, we had Sam Draber, Darcy Parish, Devin Smith, Ben Hobbs. who's uh, obviously popular um, player that people are keeping an eye on, having been our, our first draft pick last year. Uh, we've got Aaron Francis, Will Snelling, Nick Cox, Archie Perkins, Nick Hine, Peter Wright, Kane Baldwin, Alistair Lord, another draftee from last year, Brendan Zerk Thatcher, Matt Guelphie, Garrett McDonough, uh, mature age draftee from last year, Cody Brand, Ken McBride, and then Nick Martin, who's been invited to train with us for a supplementary spot. Kyle Waitman uh, from our VFL side, Cam McLeod also from the VFL, and Cooper Anderson from the VFL side as well. So that was the list. As you said, it was pretty – the red and the black teams were both quite evenly matched. It wasn't like there was one that was your typical senior side and the other that was kind of the rest. Um, They were pretty evenly matched. So uh, as you said, the game started in the morning and – from there, it kicked off, and uh, I guess from the highlights that you've seen and rewatching, I know that you went back and rewatched the game um, as well. So, from that, what did you make at the start of the game?
0: Ah, uh, as I think, uh, it was kind of split into two halves, each quarter. So, I think they didn't have enough to do full rotations. So, uh, after once we got halfway through a quarter, they took a break, and that was kind of how they managed the uh, the lack of rotations. Um first quarter was dominant by one player in particular, and that was Jai Corwell. He just he just shone how um just he's in good Nick, but how he just cracked cracked in, won the ball. He's gonna he's really gonna have a good year if he could stay fit. I you know last preseason there was lots of talk about how he's ready to explode and how it was much discussion how he got a spot over Parish in the midfield in that in that round one game against Hawthorne, but he looks every bit the uh the inside mid and he looked he him and Parrish together, they, they they could be quite a combo. Like big big call considering Jai hasn't, you know, had a lot of footy under his belt throughout his career and has suffered some injuries. But if he played all year like he did uh yesterday, uh he could be an all Australian. He was fantastic.
1: Yeah, and Caldwell, um, there's some good footage. If anyone wants to jump on the on the Essendon website, there of in the first quarter, straight away him roving a ball off the back of a pack inside 50, running through traffic, and then kicking a goal. And he sort of uh, does a bit of a bit of a cobra and pumps the fist a little bit. He's pretty pretty happy with it, and probably pretty excited just to be back playing footy as well. So um, yeah, he was looking very polished uh, for for I guess his first outing, um, obviously since that final last year which was his first outing then in quite a while as well due to injury so I'm sure that he's super keen to, to get stuck into it and first signs are really good so we hope he stays healthy and keeps going so with that the, the quarter time score was the red team with 27 to the black team 14. Uh, cole I mentioned there kicked the goal in the first quarter. Wanganine, young Tex Wanganine also um, popped up and kicked a good goal where he got on the end of a of a kick out in front of him. He outran uh, Brandon Zach Thatcher and then dribbled one through, which was uh, showed a bit of polish in class and a bit of his talent was on display early, which was good. Um, Parrish chipped in for a goal as well. Uh, Francis got himself a goal. Uh, young Fajo Jr. got a goal as well and uh, Braden Ham. So that took us through uh, took us through the first quarter um, and then we moved into the second quarter. So um, some of these guys we were talking about, so I know you mentioned Caldwell there. Uh, People will notice that uh, he'll drop off, obviously, after the first half, but that was a deliberate thing where he was um, planned to not play out the whole game and his minutes were managed, I guess you'd say.
0: Yes, yes, they were. So uh, they were trying to manage, obviously, blokes' different pre-seasons, how much work they've put in with Caldwell in particular. It was because obviously he's had... the uh, the hamstring issues there. So they kind of phased him out of the midfield rotation, but they're also looking to get different looks in there. So uh, Parrish played a bit at half forward. Uh, McGrath and Merritt both played a bit of time at half back. Uh, They played Hobbs in the middle. I know Archie Perkins uh, played in in the midfield there and looked looked pretty good there. He looks like he's put some size on over summer and he's certainly going to be one... That they're going to look to play some midfield minutes. I think um, long term they're grooming him as a as a as a midfielder by the looks of it. Uh, but at the moment, with um, you know just being a young player and also with our um, lack of small forwards, uh, I think he might spend a bit more time forward. But it was just certainly it was good to see some younger players. Ben Hobbs, kind of those Nick Cox on a wing, kind of really kind of get more involved there. Yeah, uh, Perkins that you mentioned there, he kicked a goal in that second quarter.
1: Um, other goal kickers were Conforti and uh, young Nick Martin as well. So there was some good young talent uh, on display early. And At halftime, the scores had tightened up a little bit. It was uh, the red team were 34 to the black team 27. So um, it was good to see that, yeah, that there was a good mix uh, through both teams. And it was sort of showing on the scoreboard that both teams were sort of pretty equally matched, which was which was good. Yeah. Um, Perkins as well was just like you said. He he seems a bit versatile. There was, he seems to be able to find space well. Um, he seems to be able to pop up in the right spots at the right time. And I know last year his goal kicking was probably something that he went away to work on. So hopefully by him trying to be in with an early goal there is maybe a good sign that that's something that he has done a bit of work on and um, and just polished up that goal kicking skill a little bit uh, as well. So uh, I guess after half halftime, uh, yeah, players like Caldwell uh, got managed out of the game and that gave other other guys an opportunity uh, to come through so in the, uh, by three quarter time it was the red team 64 to the black team 36 so the red team sort of skipped away again, there wasn't, it was a pretty perfect morning on Wednesday, it wasn't like there was a wind or a breeze or anything like that to to either end but Wanganin popped up and kicked his second um, and then Conforti did the same and also kicked his second uh, by this stage, Francis has kicked the goal as well so uh, I think Overall, this is sort of at three-quarter time, I think people were starting to see that both Wanganeen and Nick Martin were both having quite good games. There was obviously a lot of eyes on guys like this that are vying for that supplementary spot. And I think people at this stage were noticing that these young guys were, were sort of having pretty good games and putting their hand up to be selected.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, Wanganeen was just, just exciting. I, they don't have any stats for this game. I don't believe any stats were even recorded. But he, he just seemed to be in the play and doing smart things, like he looks like a footballer. He kind of, like, he knows where to position himself and kind of what to do. Uh, same with Fajo Jr. Um, just just smart. Fajo's probably got a bit more pace than uh, than Wanganine, but Wanganine's just kind of a, probably a bit more better mark. Uh, Nick Martin certainly uh, looked promising there. Played kind of like a, that Cole Langford role that we've got him on the wing uh, up half forward, kind of rotating. That was um was quite a, quite exciting to see that. Possibly if you if he did make the list, uh, that was all, something you and I talk a lot about, Mark. Where do you play Langford? Do you play him on the wing? Do you play him at half forward? Well, potentially you, you could kind of rotate him with with Martin there, and that would be a um a good combination. Uh, you mentioned Sam Conforti there. He's obviously on our VFL list. He was on our VFL list last year. He's a young player. I think he was a, a pretty good. Uh, junior footballer. He's only a small fella, but he, he played really well. I've actually watched a couple of V4 games uh, last year, and he um he, sh- he shows something. He's got There's something there. Um, obviously, I don't think he's vying for a spot on the list this year, but maybe into the future as that small forward, he, there's something for him there. Um, Alec Waterman uh, looked pretty good. He's certainly uh, had a big pre-season Alec. He's He slimmed up. Uh, He was kind of really big, broad across the chest and the arms and then the thighs last year. But I think he's dropped a bit of weight. Emphasis has been on kind of getting his legs under him and maybe move into the midfield. And then we'll talk about Aaron Francis. I thought he showed a lot. He He obviously took some strong marks, kicked the goal, but I think it was more how he was leading up at half forward. So... It was more like when he, he led from like a 30 metre out to be that option for someone to kick to at like the 60 metre mark. So he kind of mark at 60 and then he'd, he'd kick it back inside 50. So he certainly provided a strong presence, a kind of guy you could kind of see and kick to and he was strong in the air, which is all his strength. But it was good to see um, him showing some promising signs as a forward, which is where he's going to play this year. Yeah, and then in
1: the, in the last quarter, uh, one of the highlights, if anyone wants to go on and see it, is uh, Mason Redmond kicks a big goal from outside 50, which became a little bit of a weapon of his um, last year as well. Uh, so hopefully that's something we can see more of this year. Um, at the end of the game, yeah, the red team was 76 to the black team 61. So a 15 point win there to the team coached by Blake Carousella. Uh, Nick Martin, that you've talked about there, finished with four goals, center 40, a couple, Wanganine, a couple. Parish kicked a couple from the midfield as well, which was really good. Uh, Colbow, Cutler, Ham, Redmond, Fajo, Francis, Perkins, Guelphie and McLeod, all with singles. So um, it was, a, I think, a good hit out. Uh, there was some, some talk, obviously, um, about who was the best uh, on the ground. I think considering he only played the first half, uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, Jai Colbow, I think, was, was probably the guy who really stood out on the day. There was good performances from... Darcy Parrish, Ben Hobbs worked into the game and showed a lot for a, for a young player pushing for a spot. Jordan Ridley and Nick Hind grew into the game, did the did their usual things as well. So um, that was a, a really promising hit out, I guess. Uh, there was uh, not too much bad news uh, from the game. There was a bit of concern when Nick Bryan uh, went down, but uh, listening to Dale Tapping's... Um, press conference after the game, it sounds like it might have been some sort of a cut above the knee or something. So hopefully no no leg injury there. But he seemed he seemed a bit um, bit distressed or uh dis- in a bit of discomfort at that stage. So hopefully he's okay. Um other than that there were some guys who I guess didn't take the field um, which maybe we'll talk about now just in terms of the in terms of the injury list there. So uh Jake Stringer has got a bit of a sore groin. So what's the latest on on Jake
0: there, Brendan? Yeah, so uh, Jake's had a, a pretty big, um, pretty big off season and summer. So he he hired a personal training coach, professional runner um, there from Ballarat. Um, his name is case, I think his name is Jack. Um, he uh, he so did a lot of running in the off season, and he's obviously continued that into the pre-season, And now his groins are a bit a bit sore. So they tried to deload him for the past couple of weeks, and that hasn't been as successful as they had liked, so now they're um, now they're trying to give him the next kind of couple of weeks off and try to build him up back for round one. So listening to Josh Marnie speak today, uh, he's not not too concerned. It's just about you know kind of making sure that they get over this thing, this groin soreness he has at the moment. So recently, I think it was kind of publicised that um, on the podcast that. Stringer did with with Jack, his trainer, uh, that um he's been doing a lot of work, and he hasn't really ran more than eight kilometres in his life. And in the past, you know, two past eight pre seasons, he wouldn't have ran more than two kilometres consecutively. It's it's a lot of one kilometre break, one kilometre break type repeat effort, sprint work. So that was a real focus of his to kind of kind of build his base to play a bit more midfield time, to kind of do a bit more hard running. And I think maybe that's why he's probably a bit sore because he probably really worked hard over the off-season to try and get get back and kind of be the best player he can be. Um, Dylan Shield, last week in training, heard uh, a bit of a quad. He was, uh, it was kind of like a match sim again. Kind of got the ball, was running out of the centre and then just kind of pulled up. Uh, he had some scans done. hasn't hasn't torn anything, so it's just a strain. Uh, obviously missed the game uh, this week. But listening to Josh Marnie, they believe he's probably going to be a decent chance to push to play the the Bulldogs next week in the uh, in the scratch match. Uh, Jake Kelly, who's our new recruit from Adelaide, he had a side strain, so missed the, missed the game, but he'll be ready to go for next week. Cole Langford's got a shoulder. So last week at training, uh, there was a bit of a collision between Langford and McGrath. Uh, McGrath kind of got got Langford in the good spot, and kind of sprained his shoulder. So he's been no contact for a week or so, and they believe he might be chance for next week, but probably uh, they'll make a decision closer to the date. Uh, Harry Jones has had a um, with a couple of niggling injuries there. So I think he rolled his ankle. You a marking contest about four weeks ago, and that was just as, as he got back from uh, his leg injury that kept him out of uh, uh, the finals last year. So it's just it was just bad timing. So they're looking to build him up there. got one or two weeks, so he might be might be okay for the St Kilda game or I'll look to round one. Uh, Zach Reed uh, hasn't hasn't really been training at all pre season obviously last year had the, had the glandular fever. Then he had the stress fractures and his back and he's, um, he's had a foot complaint over the summer. So that's prevented him from uh, doing much work on the track, but he's starting to begin running now. Uh, listening to Josh Marnie, uh, it's probably uh, been a kind of a blessing. It's allowed him to kind of put some, put some size on there because he's, he's quite a skinny boy and uh I think I heard somewhere around the traps that he's actually even grown even more. So I think he was at two o two. Now they think he might even be at, at two hundred and five centimeters. So he could be a um, he could be a guy that's gonna trouble defend uh, key forwards or defenders because it's talking might play forward as well. Uh, the other one was Michael Hurley. So he he gave a bit of an interview on the uh, on the stream as well. Uh, so he's been back running a training for four to six weeks It would have been people would have seen the club release the clip of the players cheering him on and uh, there he said that was uh, it was really good to see. Uh, just uh, uh, this week he started some change of direction movement so kind of moving off the line leading patterns that type of thing to see how the hit goes and he, he hopes to be in some sort of drills by the end of next week. and then finally, um, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. I think uh, it's been well publicised. Uh, he's had some uh, challenges and the club gave him leave to um, to go away from the club. Well, he was actually at the club uh, yesterday. Uh, obviously, didn't participate in the intra-club, but he did train uh, before the game with all the guys who didn't play. So they got a little bit of work in him. I don't know if he's going to be uh, back full-time or what his training schedule is like. It just meant have been he was there, kind of get him involved. Um, I'm not sure what type of drills he did. It Might have just been some kicking and running and mucking around, or it might have been something a bit se- more serious. I'm not quite sure, but um, that's about it, Mark, in terms of our injuries. Yeah, did we cover? Um, did we cover Sam Durham there in that one? No, or we didn't. I think he's uh, probably just got some general soreness. I haven't, I haven't heard anything in particular as to his injury there, but yeah. um, he sat out the uh, he sat out that practice game that intra club
1: game. But yeah, like you said, there wasn't really much new that it might have just been a case of um, just a bit of management with soreness. Uh, he's he's another one who's bulked on a bit of muscle over the over the break as well. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, yeah he's just had a big preseason pulled up a bit sore from last week's training and uh, had, to, had to sit out the intra-club and maybe back for the scratch match against the Bulldogs.
0: Yeah. And speaking of guys that have packed on some muscle, uh, you've got to check out Sam Draper. Oh, he, he, he looks ready to explode, Mark. Hard to put, um, put wraps on a guy that's only, what, played 21 games or something like that. But he looks fantastic. He played him and it was um, Phillips in the ruck. Uh, and then Phillips, I think, maybe tweaked the, tweaked the groin, so he kind of um, – it was end of his day. And then Nick Bryan was rotating in there as well. And it was a really good battle between Bryan and Draper. And I know you and I have spoken a lot over the journey about them as a combination and how they're different styles of Ruckman. And that that's kind of really what stood out in this game. Draper, with his size and physicality, was kind of – centre bounce work was um, – where it's kind of got got on top of Brian. But Brian's movement around the ground, someone of his size, is fantastic. He was kind of resting up forward. He kind of led for a few marks and stuff, and he looked really good. And he's kicking for a big guy as well. Is um is quite impressive there. So um, it's funny how Brian, Nick Cox, you know, Zach Reed, they're all 200 centimetres plus, and they're all beautiful kicks. So... If Brian can kind of develop a bit more, he's obviously won the BNF last year in the VFL. If he can continue that good form uh, and maybe add some craft in terms of playing as a forward, I can see him legitimately playing in the side with Sam Draper and um, it'd be good to see. Yeah, there's a lot of guys there
1: that have um, put in big pre so it's going to be interesting to, to see how they go early in the year. Uh, Before we go to a break and wrap up the intra-club discussion, I might just sort of quick fire a few names around and let's just have a quick chat on each one um, for a few seconds. So Tom Cutler, I think we're both pretty impressed with during the pre-season. And then again in this intra-club, he's he's, uh, backed up sort of his tail end of last year so far and he just seems clean and... And smart when he gets the ball, he's sort of played in a couple of positions during the intra club. He was he floated forward slightly at one stage. He played across that sort of half back role, that defensive role that he's done as well. So, I think fair to say that we're both um, we're both really pulling for for Tom Cutler and, and hope that he continues on with that
0: confidence that he had in the in the back half of last year. Yeah, he um he stood out as you said with his cleanliness, especially by foot. Um, we all know he's, he's quite a tight. I think he's 190 centimetres, 90 kilos. So he's, he's got quite an impressive fame, frame on him. But he's a strong runner and he's a good kick there. So that halfback roll onto the wing, I think he was rotating with Dyson Heppel uh, in that kind of role on, on the weekend there. He just provides another option. You know, Ridley is a good kick out of the back line there, but he's kind of more your intercept player, you know, he kind of more back fifty, whereas maybe um, Cutler can kind of push up the ground a bit more. Uh, he's obviously going to be competing with guys like Sam Durham there, uh, but Mason Redman. But there's certainly certainly good enough to uh, to get a game. So it's a good problem to have. Lots of um lots of defenders fit and available. Next guy that we'll move on to here is Dylan Clark. So we mentioned earlier in the in this episode
1: that he was delisted last year and is training on for a supplementary spot. I think unfortunately for Dylan, it he, he, he doesn't do a lot wrong. He's he's the ultimate preparer. He's always in great physical shape and health. Um, he he doesn't never backs out of a contest or never doesn't have a go at training or anything like that. He seems like a a really good, likeable guy around the club as well. Unfortunately for Dylan, I think the midfield depth now at the club is going to really hurt his chances of, of coming in, especially when we are looking to top up the small forward role and we've got guys like Tex Wanganin and uh, Fajo there as well vying for opportunities. So, uh, I'm not sure what your thoughts on this are. Uh, Dylan went well in the intra-club, um, like he always has in the past. Uh, I think it's just going to be an unfortunate case of limited opportunities while he was on an AFL list and uh, probably running out of opportunities now to remain on an AFL list, I would say.
0: Yeah. So Clark played as a pure midfielder, uh, didn't have to do a tagging role, didn't play as kind of a defensive forward as, as he's kind of played a little bit in the AFL and he won plenty of the ball. As I said, no stats were taken, but he, he could have easily had 25 to 30 touches uh, in in the game. Um, he was. He, did, he does what he does at VFL level, really just wins the ball and feeds it out to the runners. But as you said, he's competing for a role in the midfield. And with Parrish's improvement as an inside midfielder, with Jai Corwell uh stepping up with the you know, Ben Hobbs being uh, looks like he's gonna be an inside mid as well. Though that role looks like to have been taken a little bit. The only difference he has over those guys is he's his one ninety 90 ke- kicks as well. He's a he's mu- he's a much taller, much bigger midfielder. And he has that defensive side to his game, the ability to tag or do a run with roll, which I don't really think we have out of anybody else that comes to mind. Uh, a lot of them are more attacking or smaller mids. I know um Andy McGrath done is kind of like the defensive sweeper at stoppages, but he's more of a he's more of a backman than a um than a, than a midfielder, I think, uh, but he's certainly not a tagger, right, you know, so, yeah, maybe they looked uh, for that spot, but I, I certainly agree with you, Mark, With we've got two list spots available. Uh, Josh Marnie indicated we'll definitely take one in this SSP period and then they're debating on whether or not they'll take a second one or leave one open for the mid-season draft. Uh, Marnie mentioned that they've got a list management meeting in a fortnight. Sorry, Xavier Campbell, not Marnie, mentioned they've got a list management meeting in a fortnight's time when they'll discuss um, who's available. So in the past, when we've had SSP players, we've uh, kind of let them play the full pre-season. So people remember last year, Alec Waterman uh, played against Carlton, really dominated, and then played another good game. I think it was against Geelong. And then they'll make the call. So, yeah, I think all four are a good shot at the moment. They haven't put a foot wrong, and there's no one you could definitely say is going to make it, and there's no one you can definitely say is not going to make it. Um, yeah, well, it, interesting to see. I think it might best be a horses for courses decision, or um, do, they, do they think that there's not going to be enough talent in the mid-season draft? They take two now maybe hope for a long-term injury if the, if and they fill the role that way. But it did seem at the draft time, interview with uh, list manager Adrian Dodoro, that, um, yeah, they were pretty keen on accessing the mid-season draft as a vehicle to get talent in. And we've been pretty successful over that. We obviously got uh, Sam Durham last year, who kind of played some pretty good football. And then before that, we got Will Snelling, who was third in the Creighton medal. So it's definitely, we've had some success there. So that might be something uh, for the list management team to consider. The last
1: player that we'll touch on here before the break is Garrett McDonough. So he obviously came across during the draft um, period last year and was a mature age player, I I guess um, you would say, considering the draft usually is, you know, kids that are 18. So, uh we're pretty excited about him what he offers. Um we've seen some highlights of what he's done in the Richmond BFL side. I think we've probably seen minimal of Garrett so far. Um I don't think I, I don't think by anyone's explanation he necessarily stood out in the in the intra club or anything like that. And, and that's probably not necessarily gonna happen at any stage in his career, however long and short it is. Um just because I don't think he's that type of player. I don't think, you know, he's drawn comparisons to any kind, but I don't think that he's necessarily going to stand out as much because he's not a run and carry kind of player. He's probably, you know, his foots more his weapon and setting up other players. So we'll watch with interest um, how Garrett goes over the next couple of weeks when they get into some of these uh, scratch matches and practice matches against the Western Bulldogs and St Kilda. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds and we're really looking forward to seeing how they might use him in the team and um, and especially that big, that big, uh, that big Boot that he's got.
0: Yeah, they they played him that half back wing role, which, which he did for the Richmond VFL, and they obviously was kind of indicated that, that was the reason why we brought him in. Um, he's kicking. He's it's clear from that he's a he's got he's a long left boot. Um, his short passes were were okay. Um, it's kind of hard to tell in a in an intra club sometimes with certain players because each side kind of knows what the other side's trying to do on defense and offense. So it's more when you play against a different opposition that you kind of get a real gauge as to as to how good a player is. But he certainly certainly showed like he's a guy that's you know good enough to step in. I, I don't think at this stage he's, he's best twenty two, uh, but he's certainly kind of maybe in the emergencies or or um, maybe in the VFL there um, again. He's competing with Tom Cutler, you know, Sam Durham, uh, Mason Redman for that kind of – Dyson Heppel for that kind of halfback spot. And we know how tight that is at the moment considering, you know, Aaron Francis has also played some pretty good football in that role, but he's now being played forward. Uh, other than Garrett, I'll probably speak about our two other draftees in uh, Alistair Lord and Patrick Foss. So I'll start with Patrick Foss. Patrick didn't play. Um, he's a he's a big lump of a lad. He's obviously had a come into the club, big, strong, quite muscular, and he looks like he's toned up even a bit uh, during the, his time at the club. Uh, maybe lost uh, lost a little bit of puppy fat, but um, yeah, he's looking he's looking big and strong. I think from the stuff we've seen over the preseason. Um, this cert- he's the perfect rookie type. He kind of is kicking knees a little bit of working on, but he's a guy you can kind of see there's a player in there maybe if he gets some development in the VFL. And then uh, Alistair Lord, he did play. He played kind of that forward role that it was kind of talk that he might play due to uh, the retirement of Irving Mosquito and uh, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody's absence um, didn't get a lot of it. Uh, but what I saw was kind of his defensive stuff so he put a lot of hard work into chasing um, kind of blocking, trying to get his fist in to get a spoil didn't really give up on the um on the contest at all and that was something I'd, I would also say Mark you'll be keen to uh, for this uh, Tom Hurd um, kind of really, really competitive. Tom hurt. He just he just cracks in all day. Just tries and tries and tries. Uh, one k one time he caught Zerk Thatcher on the wing, and Zerk Thatcher try to try to bully him to try to break the tackle, but he he hang on there. And there's a, a couple other times where he he tackled uh, bigger opponents and just kind of got them to the ground and, and didn't break the tackle. So he certainly um certainly try and looks uh, looks a bit stronger in the body as well. So hopefully he can um, have a good start to the VFL season and then uh, maybe crack a spot uh, in the senior side. Yeah, really um, watching Tom Herb with interest as a lot of people
1: are. And I think, yeah, he'll really benefit from hopefully an uninterrupted VFL season this year compared to the last year year or two that there has been. So look forward to that. Um, We might take a break now. Brendan, and then we'll come back to discuss the first round of the VFLW. Sounds good. ...leak with the VFLW playing their round one game against the Bulldogs. So uh, I guess before we jump into that, um, the the season fixture has now been released. Um, The the co-captains have been announced as well. Uh, There's been some people come and go from the club, obviously, uh, over the last few months as well. So we're ready to launch into another W season and hopefully go one better than we went last year. Got very close last year and hopefully go one better. And um, it started really well last week. But maybe if you just want to briefly um, touch on who was announced as the co-captains for this season.
0: So, yeah, it was uh, it was George and Anne Scowan, uh, the reigning uh VFLW uh, Best and Fairest, which is the kind of, I think it's the Lambert Pierce Medal, which is the equivalent of the Liston Trophy in the VFL or the Brandlow Medal in the AFL. And and she'll be joined by uh, Mia Rae Clifford, who I believe was vice captain last year, and now she's stepped up to be uh, joint um, co-captains. And then uh, Simone Nadler, who is going to take the role as vice captain. And I think all three of those girls were in the leadership group last year, so it's kind of been a um, a similar a similar group of players kind of leading the club going forward. Yeah, which is really
1: um, which is really a positive outcome. Uh, obviously, yeah, everyone knows George Neskow had a had a huge year last year. We regularly spoke about. Ray Clifford as well, um, how well she was doing in the games when we reviewed the games last year. And the same for Naylor as well. She was um, she was a real prominent force and, and dominant figure in those matches too. So um, really good core group there of, of leaders to to lead the club uh, in what's going to be heading towards, not that the VFLW team will drop away now, but um, it's been now building to also... Put in place the AFLW team for next season, so uh, they've got an important role and they're definitely well equipped to, to do that based on what we've seen. So uh, I guess we started off with the game against the Bulldogs, so we might jump into that now. And it was the best start you could hope for. They kicked four goals to nothing in the first quarter, piled on another four goals in the second quarter. So at halftime, it was the game was uh, fifty to zero, uh, which is which is a good position to be in going into the break. Um, and then carried on with it in the second half as well. So we ended up 15-8-98 to the Western Bulldogs who didn't score. So I think it's the first time that our VFLW team has kept the team scoreless and also our largest winning margin as well in the VFLW. So it was a day of first and um, being round one, it it was a great start to the season. So of that, we had three players who kicked three goals. So Davies, McDonald and McIntosh. Cornish Kick 2, Tini 2, uh, and Dicker and Eugle both got singles. In the best was Nance Cowan, uh, as usual. It's, it's a familiar spot to see her name um, up in the best there. So that was business as usual, really, um, for, for Georgia there. She really dominated. Uh, also in the best there was um, Renee Tini, who had 24 disposals. Uh, Zanketa as well, Jordan Zanketa had 26 disposals. Um, Grace Dicker with 22 disposals, uh, and then Ford and Marshall as well were in the best two. So
0: um, a really successful outing for round one, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Uh, you know, kind of home game at the hangar against the Bulldogs there, and really, um, really put them to the sword there. I, I think you know the the Bulldogs there. I think I got a, a lot of their players are in. The AFLW there, so a lot of those AFLW aligned sides have had some talent uh, taken out of out of them there, but uh, so we're probably full strength, but we still do have a couple of um a couple of VFL AFLW players that will come back to us later in in the season there, but certainly a good start at the hangar. Uh, good to see the photos and the videos uh, on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, of the girls celebrating in the rooms there. Um, it's really good to see now that the club is heavily invested in women's football, both at the VFL level and at the uh, AFLW level. And uh, obviously with the, with the change rooms and the, uh, and the second stage of the hangar redevelopment there, a lot of the focus is being on uh, women's football and getting uh, kind of access in that northwestern corridor of Melbourne so girls coming through the Calder Cannons, that type of thing, can really kind of see the hangar as uh, an and hopefully as a potential place to play their football. So what we'll do, Mark, is we'll just kind of talk um, kind of the ins and outs of, of the side there, just because, you know, there's been a bit of change with the off-season there. And obviously we had a number of girls um, get drafted last year. So kind of who who were the arrivals, who were the... um. Out So like you mentioned there, Jordan Zanchetta, she's coming to the side. Renee Teary, she's coming to the side. Uh, Zanetta came from the Brisbane Lions. Uh, Tenere came from Geelong. Uh, Michaela Trithoen comes from the Southern Saints who are kind of aligned to St Kilda. Uh, Stephanie Asik and Danielle Marshall come from the Western Bulldogs. And then there's a a number of uh, younger players there that looks like they've kind of... Come through the um the Nab League system, or you know, kind of were at another kind of level of football, but haven't come directly from like kind of like a VFLW um standard. And then obviously they're the ones that come in, and the ones that have gone out have been um, girls like Georgie Prasparkas, Alana Barber. Uh, they got um. They got drafted quite early on last year. Uh, and then we've got Amelia um, em- em- Yessa, uh, Who else? Tara Slender, Lauren Aherns, and they all got picked up uh, via the AFLW draft as well. So they're all playing AFLW level at the moment. So all, all of those girls, I believe, played uh, in the prelim last year. So uh, big, big shoes to fill. But it sounds like we've got some uh, – two pretty good players, at least in Janetta and Tooney, based on their uh, round one performance. So um, as you mentioned, we play the Dogs at home at the hangar. Uh, Next week, we have Port Melbourne, uh, another home game. Um, This year – Uh, The split is going to be a bit different. I think we're playing four home games at the Hangar and the others at uh, Windy Hill. So next week is round two. Uh, So on Saturday at the Hangar at 12.30, you can see Essendon play Port Melbourne. And then uh, round three on Sunday, the 27th of February, which will be the week after, we play Carlton away at Icon Park at 2pm. So that's Princess Park. Um, so it's I believe it's a 14-round season. Uh, but what the so the AFL is doing is they announced which clubs will play each other uh, in which round, but they're not giving times or um, where they're playing or venues like that because they want some flexibility in the fixture for COVID. But, you know, we know we're playing, the you know, Port Melbourne home, Carlton away. Then after that, we got Williamstown, Southern Stains, Geelong, North Melbourne, Carlton, etc. So we play... The Blues, Southern Saints, who are kind of like the St Kilda reserves, and um, with the Western Bulldogs twice. Uh, so hopefully, um, we can get some wins on the board, and as you say, go one better and make it make a grand final. Yeah, definitely, it's uh, it's it's
1: going to be an exciting season for the VFL W uh, team. Again, we I know we both followed it really closely last year, and. Uh, we were really barracking for them and got so close to the, to reaching a grand final there. So um, it looks like they haven't missed a beat in the preseason and started really well again. So we look forward to hopefully seeing some, some progress through the season again and uh, seeing them battle it out for a final spot and go through hopefully a step further. So uh, with that, that so that wraps up our Intra Club and our VFLW updates. Um, I guess coming up, we've got a couple of practice games for the senior team. We, we mentioned briefly before that um, they'll be playing the Western Bulldogs uh, next Wednesday, um, which is at the hangar uh, again. So, that will be. I think it's in the afternoon. I think it's about three o'clock or three thirty or something like that. So that'll be good to see a proper hit out, um, potentially televised by KO. I think we were discussing before. The week after that, we play the Saints, which I think's maybe on a Saturday night. So that that's probably the the first proper full dress rehearsal of uh, you know normal breaks, normal quarter lengths, normal team um, you know numbers on the side, and all that sort of stuff, and. Uh, full bind dress rehearsal. So I, I guess we've got that to look forward to in the in the next couple of weeks, Brendan.
0: Yes, yes. So the, the game against the Dogs, I believe that's still kind of scratch match so they can kind of do some mucking around with quarter lengths and breaks and rotations and stuff like that. But the, the game against St Kilda, which I believe is at Marvel Stadium on, I think it's Saturday night, um, that's under full AFL conditions, normal game. Type thing, so it, it'll be good to see where we're at against the Bulldogs. Obviously, uh, they are the side that um ended our year last year in that final in Tasmania, and then um kind of a, a pretty good side considering they, they made a grand final there. So it'll be good to see where we're at against them. But I think the uh the, the true test will be against St Kilda. If you can claim any preseason game as as a test, <laughs> right? It's really. A lot of it's just getting through to to round one, but yeah, it will be certainly be interesting to see. I believe people can attend the hangar next week. they so you can go along and watch on the watch on the boundary there. They got quite a quite a expansive uh, kind of grassy hill around the boundary there, so there's plenty of places to sit. So if you want to take you know a rug or something to sit on, or even some some fold-out chairs or something like that, I think you're you're able to do that. But obviously. I'm sure the club will talk about that when it gets a bit closer. But, yeah, um, exciting to to see how that one goes as well. And then, obviously, um, yeah, on to the season.
1: Yeah, just just on the hangar briefly, um, it's really good to see them kind of opening it up. Like, when you watch the highlights from the VFLW game, there's... You know, a lot, a lot of people around the ground, like you said, on that grassy kind of hill uh, around the outskirts of the ground. Um, even the intra-club game, there was a lot of people that turned up that watched that. It's good to see kind of the the gates opened and, uh, and people welcomed uh, into the hangar. Um, I know, you know, last year... Um, with the opening of the expansion as well. That was really well publicised. Uh, I, I feel like, not sure what your opinion is, Brendan, but I feel like in the last sort of six months, 12 months, the hangars maybe become a bit more of a welcoming place. Um, it's been publicised a bit more and there seem to be holding more events and more games and more training and scratch matches and things like that there. So I think in the past, um, my personal view is that it seemed a bit, uh, it seemed a bit closed-gated, you know, there's a big fence around the outside and, uh, you know, a lot of clubs have that, but it seemed didn't seem like a place um, that you could necessarily go in and feel like you weren't meant to be driving through the, through the driveway there. So uh, it's good to see it sort of open back up and people standing on the hill enjoying, like you said, sitting on a picnic rug and watching their heroes, whether that be the VFLW or the AFL side or the VFL guys running around.
0: Yeah, well, I saw, I did see in the in the footage. there, they still got that fence there with the barbed wire, and I guess it's kind of a permanent fence. And I know we've spoken, Mark. Look, that's one of our like, if you could, if you could be present for a day, what what would you do? <laughs> and that's uh, as silly as it sounds, but that'd be something I, I would change, kind of make it more inviting from the street. It's probably there for a security measure, but there is, you know, ability to kind of make it more inviting. I know maybe we've talked. About maybe then putting some sort of hedging on that fence to block the road noise and the, and the traffic. So they've got that down one of the ends there, where they've got like kind of a grass, like actual like shrubs and stuff. to kind of think is maybe to block some of the wind coming from the airport there. But if they did that kind of the whole way around the boundary, I don't know how feasible that would to be. You know, there's a number of like looks like gum trees there, so could they grow something there? I don't know, but yeah, just make it. I really can't – you see, uh, when they were first thinking about building the hangar, they I think it was James Heard and whoever else was uh, kind of involved in the football department at the time, they went over, to I think, to Real Madrid and they meet Jose um, over there and they, they chatted, to, chatted to him about the facility and how would you build it. And they went to a couple of Premier League clubs and how would you kind of build the facility and kind of – learning about some coaching styles and stuff like that and you see a lot of the big EPL clubs uh, they do have that hedged border so when the players are in there they feel secure they feel like it's a place to be it's kind of like they're closed off to the world so I do think that would um that that's something if we could emulate we should but um, yeah and that would make it more inviting but Again, I think they've op- with COVID they've opened up, um, so you can go to the bomber shop. They've obviously got that the new redevelopment there where they've got the Hall of Fame. They've got the Paralympics Australia Hall of Fame. They've got the uh, Indigenous Sport Hall of Fame. They've got the new, uh, I think it's the Jack Jones Cafe there as well. So I believe that's all open to the public there. So it could be um, a really good day if you got there early. You could go through the Hall of Fames, go to the bomber shop, maybe have... Have some lunch and then watch a watch a what's hopefully going to be a good game against um against the Bulldogs.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely a good idea.
0: Um, all right, well, that
1: probably wraps us up. I think for this episode. So, thank you to all that endured through uh, through a bit of a rocky start. We had some we had some audio issues uh, to be completely honest at the start and persevered through and we've tried to make it work. So hopefully it's uh, came out okay. I I apologise for a bit of a preparation issue there at the start, but uh, no, we've gotten through and it was uh, really good to record another episode and look forward to doing it again soon. Once we get through another practice game or two. So anything else to add Brendan
0: before we sign off? Uh, Just that the club's hall of fame is on uh, Thursday, Feb 24th, which I believe is uh, is next week. Um, it's so they're inducting uh Dr. Bruce Reed, Dustin Fletcher, Gavin Wanganine, and Neil Danner, who has legends of all of the Hall of Fame. So they're all already in the Hall of Fame, but they've been inducted to in his legend status. So if people want to go, um, to that, that's at the uh, at the showgrounds there. Uh, that should be a good night. Um, and yeah, hopefully, uh, by then, uh, we will know. The future of uh, who's going to take this SSP spot, which I think is really uh, what's people are pretty keen to know. Hopefully, uh, when when Gavin gets elevated as legend, we can announce Texas on the list.
1: Yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be a nice way to tie it in if it if it falls that way. I think, like you said earlier, it's going to it's really going to come down to these last couple of practice games. I think, and um, much like Waterman last year, kind of showing something in that. Uh, game against Carlton and the like. I think it's it's going to be a similar thing. It's going to be who can really put their foot forward for, for the last time. So uh, we wish them all luck and be good if we could put them all on, but uh, there's only a couple of spots maximum. So we'll see who gets there in the end. All right. Well, that's it from us. Go, Dons. Go, Bombers.